Hey there, welcome to today's episode of The Rachel Pontillo Show. I'm your host, Rachel Pontillo, and today my guest is Dr. Lindsay Berkson, author of the brand new book, Sexy Brain. Now, before we get into our interview with Dr. Lindsay, I wanna tell you a quick little story because you might be wondering what does sex have to do with skincare, right? This is primarily a holistic skincare blog and podcast, but as we know, the skin is a reflection of everything that is going on inside your body and also inside your mind. And when we talk about holistic health and wellness, sexuality and intimacy are very important in determining whether someone is overall healthy and well. So this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have Dr. Lindsay on the show to talk about Sexy Brain, but this is something that I started thinking about years ago. It was about four years ago, the first time I was on a live radio broadcast as a guest, and I thought I knew how the interview was going to go. I submitted my interview questions ahead of time. It was to talk about my first book, Love Your Skin, Love Yourself, and the co-host of the radio show threw me for a little bit of a loop. He thought it would be fun to ask his own question, which was, is it true that having more sex helps you have better skin? And here I was brand new to broadcasting. I had never done a live show before, so I was trying to stay composed, but I was like, uh, 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 you know, in my head, I was like, what am I going to do with this? But I think the answer that I gave was that, yes, there is a relationship between sex and skin because of all of the hormone activity. And this is something that what Dr. Lindsay is going to talk about will shed a little bit more light on, even though this interview is not specifically about sex and the skin, but it's all connected. Every part of us is connected. So I want you to keep that in mind as you listen to my interview with Dr. Lindsay Berkson. Dr. Lindsay Berkson is a thought leader and a scholar in functional hormones, nutrition, and digestive health, all of which we know is important to be balanced for healthy skin. Dr. Lindsay's had an amazing career for almost four decades in research as well as in practice, and she has authored numerous, numerous books, both for the general public as well as more textbook and academic scholarly writing for practitioners. So she really is very experienced, really on the edge of what the science is doing right now, and has a lot of wonderful things to share. So I am really happy to introduce you to Dr. Lindsay Burke. Hi, Dr. Lindsay. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm so excited. It's always great to have a dialogue with a really passionate person and to be given an entry into a new community and then get feedback from that. So it's always a ripple further and further out to making this a more united planet. And I feel each podcast does that. Oh my goodness, that is so beautiful how you just worded that, and I completely agree. And I know that when you and I had the opportunity to meet in person this summer, we just had such a nice instant connection, so I'm so grateful to be able to share that with my audience. I love when you have that. I love the old book by Kurt Vonnegut, where he talked about souls traveling in carafts, where you mm. just know each other when you meet. And I interviewed a medical doctor this weekend from the NIH, and he was saying he felt that that was substantial that there are soul families. And I felt when we met, we had a little bit of that resonance, you know, of kindred sisterly soul 
familial energetic where you feel a great connect with an authentic person. So there's so few of those today. So I was so excited to meet you. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Well, before we dive in, because we're actually here today to talk about your new book. Yay. I I wanted to ask you actually to share a little bit about how you came to even write this book, but even why you do what you do today, because you have a really inspiring story. Okay, well, the first thing of why I wrote this new book, which is called Sexy Brain. I never in a million years thought that I would be writing a book on intimacy. Never. This is my 21st book. So I've been writing books my whole adult life. In fact, when I was a young girl, I used to dream about being near water, near hills, and writing a book. And I realize I now live in Great Hills, Austin, and my gym is on a quarry lake, and I'm on water all the time. So I fulfilled one of my life theme parks in this life. But I have written many books on hormones. So a few years ago, I got contacted by a surgeon and a urologist, and they were planning on opening up 100 erectile dysfunction clinics because there's so much erectile dysfunction, which we're going to get to in a moment of why. They said, we've read your books. We love the way that you write about hormones. Would you consider writing about erectile dysfunction and intimacy and all the factors related to intimacy and the benefits of sex? So we cut a deal monetarily, and it was an intriguing idea, thinking it would just be a gig with this group of doctors. They now have, I think, about 40 or 50 clinics at the time they contacted me They hadn't even started them yet. Wow. And while I was doing the research, I was stunned. Stunned. Like the Women's Health Initiative, we've heard about that Mm -hmm. study in terms of hormones. But it was really put together by 40 prestigious institutions and headed by Boston University Medical School. And it was saying that we have a lot of aging women. They're our largest growing demographic. So let's look at them every which way so we can help them age better. So there were studies in the Women's Health Initiative on hormones, the famous one, but they were on bone health and colon health. And there was a study called Sexual Satisfaction and Cardiovascular Disease headed by looking at almost 94,000 women over 14 years from 40 different centers. So it's called a multi-centered study, which is a much more statistically weighted, meaning whatever that study says, we we should listen. We should perk up our ears. And they were thinking that in men, the first sign of heart disease is often erectile dysfunction. So they wanted to know, was that true in women? So they asked all these women, could they say what their sex life had been over their lifetime? If you could look back over your lifetime, what do you think personally about your intimate connections. And then they ran a variety of tests. For example, they did imaging of the intimal lining of the blood vessels called the endothelium, Mm -hmm. which is basically where your rubber meets the road of your heart health. And after separating the wheat from the chaff, and they call that um, uh, taking into account confounding of variables. I don't want to bore the audience with scientific terms. They were able to say in the study conclusion that if a woman could look back over her lifetime and say that she had really satisfying sex with someone she respected and did this regularly, and in the scientific literature, regular sex is about three to five times a week, that she had better blood vessel health than if she was doing veggies, exercise, on statins. It was very statistically significant. Well, that opened up a huge 
Pandora's box for me. Oh my God. And then I started reading in the literature that so many professionals were saying intimacy was a critical pillar of health, but nobody wanted to talk about it because it's taboo. And how do you talk about it? And would the doctor be uncomfortable? Would the patient be uncomfortable? And right at the same time, all of that was happening. I'd been noticing for about a decade because I've been in practice 46 years. So I was noticing that there was a change in the people coming in, that younger and younger men and women, in their 20s even, were saying they were flatlined with their libido, that they loved their mate. I find a lot of patients really do love their spouse, but they were enduring intimacy for the benefit of their good guy or good woman mate, and they weren't really desiring it, not having really great orgasms, and really wished that they could be done with it. And a lot of menopausal women relieved that they didn't even have to deal with it anymore. And then I went to a conference in Dallas, and there was a urologist, a male doctor from the NIH, the National Institute of Health, and he said, it is well documented that we have for the first time ever an epidemic of men in their 20s who have no testosterone, hypogonadism, or insufficient. So I thought, oh my God, here is a book. Is intimacy and love under attack? And then I started to write my own book and it was kind of like an alien entered inside of me. And it took me on a path connecting the dots of science to places I didn't know I would go when I first decided that I needed to write about intimacy as a pillar of health. Mm -hmm. And thus was birthed Sexy Brain. Wow. I love that path. And I'm, I'm shocked by those statistics, by how young people are already experiencing these issues that previously only postmenopausal women or older men were experiencing. So it, it really, it's unbelievable. There's a so. theme in the United States of many things that we used to only see in seniors, which we called chronic degenerative disease, we're seeing in younger and younger people, it's almost now a risk factor to be a kid. And we're seeing sleep apnea, type 2 diabetes. We're seeing obesity in seven and eight and nine-year-olds. And we're seeing sexual dysfunction in young adults. And that is a major birthright of humanity mm. to want to connect intimately with another human being and get the benefits that nature intended. So I had, I didn't really want to write a book on intimacy, I was afraid they would start calling me a sex expert and link me with sex and this and that. But as a healer and, a, and an investigator and researcher, I ended up having to do this as another part of my mission. So That's fascinating. And just to echo what you were saying about these chronic degenerative diseases, is that the term um, happening right. to younger people? We're seeing that in the skincare world as well. In my practice, I'm seeing women who have never even been pregnant who have experienced melasma, which typically would not occur without a pregnancy having taken place and other types of hyperpigmentation that you would normally see in an older woman happening in people in their 20s. And then even rosacea is an issue that normally women get later in life and we're starting to see it in younger women. So I Do you know that rosacea in the scientific literature rosacea is highly linked to SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Right. And it's highly linked to insufficient stomach acid. Mm -hmm. So there's so much fussing with our gut health and it shows up often on the face mm -hmm. or our gut male digestive capacity, which is insufficient stomach acid or other digestive players. And it does show up in your face. Your face and your health are the dashboard of your physiology 
sometimes, sometimes, not always, but often right. they are the dashboard, and you would know that better than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you mentioned zinc in your book as being really important for human connection and hormone health. Can you say more about that? Zinc is amazing. It's it, one of its places that it is in the highest concentration in the human body is in the brain. Hmm. And all sex hormones require zinc to deliver their signals to genes. Zinc is pivotal. And zinc insufficiency and deficiency is rampant in all the United States nutritional surveys. Yes. So zinc is a big deal. And it helps make the world of intimacy go round. Absolutely. It's just we're starting to see these patterns show up in so many different areas in people's lives. And I think young people, especially young people today, well, young people have always had this kind of invincibility, euphoric, you know, nothing can hurt me kind of attitude. But when these things that something like sexual dysfunction, that's not something that is normally associated with youth and vitality. So if it's happening to someone, I could see how that could deeply affect them in a lot of different areas of life. So sexy brain, why is this a breakthrough concept? Because we had not understood that nature designed pleasure and connection so that ultimately we would be caretaking our brain better, that you have better cognition, better sense of who you are, which nature is all about the next generation. So hopefully if you're a smarter adult, you'll make a more stable family. Mm. So I show for the first time the link of why nature put orgasms and pleasure beyond the time that you're making love to have a baby. Right. And it's global effects on your health, but then showing how our ability to want and benefit by this intimacy is being hijacked by our toxic outer environment and our unhealthy guts, our toxic inner environment. So I had written one of the very first first books on how pollutants in our air, food, and water can be hijacking our hormone system, and it was called Hormone Deception. It came out about 23 years ago or so. Based on that, I was invited to be a hormone scholar at Tulane University in association with the med school and Xavier University. So I wrote that book, and then I wrote one of the very first books on the gut, the mind-gut nutrition link mm. called Healthy Digestion the Natural Way. That was out 25 years, and my next gut book is coming out soon. And then I wrote a book on hormones and how dependent they are on nutrients and digestion called um, Safe Hormones, Smart Women. And I had no idea that all of those books would converge in the American boudoir to show yeah. the benefits of sex and that the... Intimacy is one of the milestones of being a human being. In Hormone Deception, I showed that menarche, when we go into menstruation, is happening earlier. Menopause is happening earlier. And there's a huge discussion in scientific circles that when you mess with the milestones of reproduction, this has resounding potential adverse effects on humanity. Mm. And now I'm introducing that the other milestone, so that's why it's a breakthrough, is that our intimacy, our ability, and our benefit from it um, are under attack and what we can do about it. So I give natural answers for it. In all my books, I give natural answers for the new public health issue that I inform the public about. Now, a little while ago, you mentioned, and, and I want to talk about this a little further, that 
you know, nature never does anything without a purpose. And this includes pleasure and connection. And obviously, if we were only meant to engage in sex just for reproduction, there probably would have been some way that nature would have made it so that we could only do it certain times of month or whatever, but that's not the that's case. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it became so, so clear to me. I had no idea. And the literature took me there. The scientific literature took me there. That's very sophisticated of you to say that and just a response of a few minutes of this conversation. But it's really, nature never does anything without a strategic purpose. And you're supposed to have this pleasure. And there is the big O helps prevent the big A, which is the A of Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. There's literature now to show that people who continue making it there. And I present by up, unpublished data from scientists I had the honor to work with at Tulane and the graciousness of them sharing data from years of their career that they hadn't published yet about how estrogen and testosterone have been signaling for hundreds of thousands of years. And I explain each of the differences between estrogen as an atom, as a molecule, as a receptor, and then I translate that into sex and how you can better interact with each other with more success and less stress. And I call that introducing the hormone language of love based on how we're hardwired for hundreds of thousands of years. And I didn't know I was going to end up doing that either. It was really amazing. And it's interesting. It almost was like the science, and and I am not someone who says you can't have sex outside of marriage or this or that, or the divorce is all bad because sometimes it's worse to stay with a wrong spouse. And there's, you know, right when Reagan first made it easier to get a divorce, there was a lot less suicides among married middle-aged women. Wow. But... Um, it does turn out that if you read a lot of the sexual literature that was done with replicated, well-done scientific studies, that the science of the benefits show that more monogamy, more mutual respect, a woman being able to, in a man-woman relationship, and I talk a little bit about non-heterosexual relationships, but this book is ba basically for men and women wanting to come together. Okay. How you can, the dynamics of it were a bit biblical in resonance, and it was shocking to me to see that. And so this book ended up being written in a science-based, delicate manner. And I always like to write complex science in very fun, page-turner page ways that a parent could, with a clear conscience, gift to their adult child about ready to embark into a serious relationship in her marriage to help them have more success and endurement of that love in that marriage. So it was a very interesting journey writing this book, or shall I say it wrote me or something. <laughs> Are hormones about more than just sexy and reproductive things? That's a great question. Most people think, why should I worry about hormones? I'm older, I'm done. Or men would say, I'm not a woman. I don't have a period. I don't want to worry about hormones. They're mainly about having a baby or, or sexy stuff, right? right? But hormones are your major signaling molecules that run what I call your body's physiologic internet system. And the way most things get done is one cell sends another cell an email. And that email is read by your genes. And what delivers most of those emails are your hormones. So they deliver signals that keep your vocal cords sounding younger. One of the first things when a man starts to have less testosterone, he starts to sound more like a woman. Huh. A woman keeps her youthful voice 
and loses it when her hormones go down. You can tell women on hormone replacement because they still have a more young, youthful voice than women who are not on it that sound older and older, and they even lose lung capacity because hormones drive lung health. Hormones line the entire digestive tract from your mouth to your south. In my new book that's launching sometime within the next seven, eight months, it's a 650-page textbook for practitioners. Wow. On It's called Nutritional Gastroenterology. And I have a huge portion of the book on the unappreciated role of hormones and the gut and treating gut conditions and the role of gut health with hormone health. So hormones keep your gut healthy, and we're now all understanding that the gut is the mothership of our health. Yes. It runs everything. Well, hormones have a lot to do with your gut health. That's one of the reasons we're more at risk of serious gut diseases as we age and our hormones wane. Hmm. There's hormones run your kidney health. Hormones run your hippocampus health. Which it's interesting, you were saying that there's this invincibility in teenagers, mm-hmm. right? Well, because when they first, especially if they're not filled with toxins, when you're a teenager, you're suddenly flooded with hormones. Right. Almost more than you'll ever be other than when a woman is pregnant. Sure. And hormones deliver so many signals to the hippocampus in your brain, which is really your physical analogy of your soul. It's your physical cells that act like a physical soul because it's your memories, it's your motivation, it's your sense of meanness. I call it the three M&Ms, me, motivation, and memories. And that's the area that shrinks right before cognitive decline. Hmm. And it's filled with receptors to take messages by hormones. It's run by hormones. In fact, when you're really young, it even makes hormones deep inside the hippocampus. And so right when you first get all those hormones, your hippocampus is on fire, so your sense of yourself is so huge. And part of being more frail when you age, and a lot more people are experiencing this younger and younger, the sense of overwhelm, you think things you want to do in your head, but you can't get them done, and that motivation follow-through is thinner and thinner, and you feel less sure of yourself, That's where you have less of those hormones signaling your hippocampus. And hippocampus, actually, when it gets less hormones, so your hormonal signaling system is freezing up like your computer can, it shrinks. And the name of of this is, in science, called hippocampal shrinkage. Hmm. So just like when you're older, your skin shrinks, you would know this because you have less collagen and less hormones. Your hippocampus shrinks, and that's where you start getting old age. And you can reverse that with hormone replacement and with food and with exercise. There's many things that help revolumize, even if it's already shrunk, because nature is forgiving. So I talk a lot about all of these things um, in Sexy Brain to keep your brain more sexy and robust so that you can live longer, but not with less quality of life, but a a younger longer. Well, I think that's such important work because... As you mentioned, I mean, when these hormones peak and then peak again and then wane, it is often accompanied with such emotional ebbs and flows as well. And a lot of times people don't really know how to deal with that. They don't know what they can do to naturally balance that out. And they often start to have some self-confidence issues and self-image issues and think that there's something wrong with them when, in fact, that's not the case. 
and with having more knowledge about what's actually going on in their bodies and also having specific action steps that they can try, that in itself is just so empowering and helpful so that people can take more control and feel more in control of their emotions as they age. And like you said, it's great if you are that people are living longer these days, but we want the quality of life to be vibrant and full as we age rather than frail and fragile and emotional and tired and all of that. So thank you so much for writing about that and for identifying that connection that really, I, I haven't heard anybody word it in that way before. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. This is, that's why it's a breakthrough book because no one has written a book. That's what a definition of a breakthrough book is where you present a concept and a connect the dot of science for the first time. Yeah. Like, my endocrine disruptive book was disruption book was one of the first three books that all came out within three months of each other about 24 years ago. Wow. So all three of them were breakthrough books. But the problem is, is if people go today, if they hear this and they want to go to their GP or their endocrinologist or gastro um, gynecologist and inquire, am I a candidate for hormone replacement? Those docs do not mostly have training in strategic application of hormones, and none of them mostly have training about how hormones lean on digestion and nutrients, which is a functional medicine, nutri medical nutritional point of view. Right. And you're often apt about 97% of the time, and this is so dismaying, but this is how it is to get the wrong answer. Mm. I know that there are doctors who tell my patients, you're on progesterone. I'm shocked you don't have cancer already. Wow. Because it was the synthetic progestins that have been shown, not progesterone, but that doctor didn't know it. We thought in our mother's era that docs knew all that they knew, but today that's not true. So to still go back to that well, to get that water, is not accurate, especially surrounding hormones. So we have accepted as a nation and a culture for chronic diseases and hormones, a learned helplessness from the medical community, that we go to a doc and we are told what to do. Mm. And in some cases, you know, you need a hip replacement, you need to go to ICU, you need to go to the ER. We are fantastic. If you have trauma, acute uh, illness, we are fantastic. But you go for chronic care, fatigue for your hormones, you are apt often really have to be careful not to be given the wrong information or even be harmed by what you're advised which is why it's good to get a team in place where you have a doctor that's a regular medical provider that has an integrative bent to have an ear open to your other alternative uh, practitioners and have a functional medicine, someone who looks at you as a whole body and if you get ill, want to look at, want to sleuth out your root cause and a medical nutritionist, a geek like me, I'm, I love, <laughs> I read two, three hours of research every day and have for decades. And, the, and then I've also been in practice so long, I, I've seen things come and go and I have a, a further vision of where things have come from. And you want a team ideally ahead of time from when you get your hormones tanked or when you get ill or you get it once you do get ill but that will listen to you, really care about you, but have a bent to be with their pulse on the on what is happening with hormones. And right now, because of the Women's Health Initiative from July 2012, uh, 2002, many doctors for 10 years stopped using hormones. And only in the last few years have they stuck their toe back in the water and 
often they go to a several month course or a weekend course. They get certified in three, four days and they open up their doors and put out their shingle, but they don't really have the experience yet. So it's very, you have to do some elbow grease work to find a great team that can really help you help your hormones watch your physiologic back. So important. It, and, and now we have so many different types of practitioners available today and access is increasing because there are so many different ways to deliver medicine now and nutrition. And we have all these different types of providers now emerging in the functional and holistic realm. So I think that this is a benefit of technology, being able to spread awareness of these different types of practitioners and how they work and how they can benefit you. Whereas five years ago, 10 years ago, you wouldn't even know they existed and you wouldn't even know what, what they could do for you. And it's, it's just going to continue to progress. And it's really exciting time to be part of the health and wellness field. There's so much out there that even a person can do on their own, but you usually need to work with a practitioner for interpretation right. or for nutraceuticals or for prescriptions, et cetera. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Lindsay Berkson. Now, your book is Sexy Brain, and that is available now, yes? Yes, you can go to sexybrainsystem.com. Hmm? I give you free gifts right off the bat. I give you a real short video on detox, and then if you'd like, I give you a at the resource section, I give you a free 30-minute detox video telling you how you can do a bad detox, even with good intentions, and how to make a detox better. And you can, there's a button right there to order it on Amazon. It's called Sexy Brain. It's funny because Amazon won't let me advertise because they said the two feet under the cover was illicit. So wow. I might have to change the cover. So if you buy these new ones now, you get the illicit cover. I like it better. Oh, boy, yeah, you want to get on that. Get the, get the fun cover. <laughs> well, and my own website is drlindsayberkson.com. But the, to get the book, it's sexybrainsystem.com. And I have an online course on how to know about connection, how to know if you're really a connected person. What does all this mean? I'm going to work with people um, together on a course that I'm launching in a few months. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing all of your wisdom and for all of the books that you've written, but of course, for your new book, Sexy Brain. And I hope everyone checks it out. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And so I can reach out to your community. I so well appreciate it. And fun hanging with you for a little bit of time. Have Always a, great a pleasure. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Dr. Lindsay Berkson for joining us today on The Rachel Pontillo Show and for putting out all of this incredible work throughout your entire career and, of course, your new book, Sexy Brain. I encourage everyone to check it out. The website for that is sexybrainsystem.com. And, of course, learn more about Dr. Lindsay Berkson and get more background on her story and the rest of her work at drlindsayberkson.com. Did you like today's show? I sure hope you did, and I hope that you will share it with your friends. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, subscribe to my iTunes channel, and of course, head on over to the blog at rachelpontillo.com. Leave me a comment and let me know what your thoughts are. I will be back soon with a new episode. Until then, I wish you a beautiful day. 